I think perhaps the best way to introduce a Malone University professor, and I mean specifically a Malone University professor, and Jackie in this case, is to use the words of a student or a former student. There's a unique relationship between a professor and her students when chief among her objectives in her classroom is to integrate faith with her discipline, in Jackie's case, history. So these are the words of Juliana Smith, one of Jackie's former students, Juliana from the class of 2008. Dr. Welling is one of those rare people who embodies sets of characteristics that often are not paired, but when you do find the characteristics together in one person, you know you have found somebody special. Dr. Welling is a fierce academic, knowledgeable in a range of subjects and clear thinking. She is also humble in her knowledge and willing to listen to others' thoughts and opinions, including those of her students. Jackie is hardworking, never hesitating to take on challenging projects requiring large investments of time and energy. At the same time, she never uses her important work as an excuse to ignore the people in her life. In Jackie's world, there is always time for a coffee meeting with an 18-year-old trying to figure out her life. Jackie is a capable administrator, able to set a task and lead a group in accomplishing it. She never goes about her leadership with a heavy hand, though. She is friendly. Juliana capitalized the word friendly. In her leadership, making space for and listening to others. You do not find people like Jackie often. She is rare, precious. The Lone community has been enriched by her presence, and I personally have been inspired, encouraged, and challenged by her example, Juliana Smith. So it's my pleasure to introduce Jackie. Jackie loves Jesus. Jackie loves her discipline. She loves our history, our shared history, and she deeply loves her students. Jackie, thank you so much for bringing this morning's message. Thank you, Dr. King, and <clears throat> I will thank Juliana for those kind words. I didn't recognize myself sometimes. That was really nice. Good morning. It is such a joy and honor to be with you and to see new faces and familiar faces as well. Every time I come to this place, it feels like home. In fact, already it's been a bit of an emotional homecoming for me, seeing so many former friends. In fact, my next door neighbors um, are here from when we lived up here in Willowick. Um, the Stuckey and Snyder sisters are not only BFFs, but we're also sisters in Christ. This morning, I'd like to share two stories of gratitude with you. Two stories that demonstrate the difference that one church filled with Christ followers can make. Two stories that eventually become intertwined and reveal the mighty and powerful ways in which God works. Two stories in which we see God's love pouring into his people. One is a story about my family and the other is a story about Malone University. I'll begin with the first. In the summer of 1965, a young couple who lived in nearby Willowick began the search for a new church home. They had been actively involved in a church in Euclid ever since they first moved to the Cleveland area, but they felt compelled to find a new place of worship that was more Christ-centered and more inten intentionally focused on biblical teaching. They wanted a place where they and their four children could develop deeper spiritual roots. 
Thanks to their good friends, Nancy and Mel Kaiser, and Gladys and Jean Dodderman, they learned that an Evangelical Friends Church, originally known as Cleveland Friends Meeting, had recently relocated from East Cleveland to Willoughby Hills. Although their children were growing weary of visiting a different church nearly every Sunday, or at least that's how I remember it, Jim and Jan Stuckey decided to visit Willoughby Hills Friends Church on September 9, 1965. Pictured here is my mother's entry with her distinctive handwriting. Sometimes you need a magnifying glass to read it, but it's beautiful. In the Willoughby Hills Friends Church guest book, as well as a photograph of the Stuckey family about a year before we venture to this place. That's me in the glasses. I was really proud of them at the time. Maybe not now. <laughs> I clearly remember the day we first stepped into this sacred place because of the generous hospitality that was extended to us. As we were walking from the car to the church, a lovely and precious woman stepped outside of the back door. And I'll have that picture go up, please. I remember where she stood. I remember what she wore. And I remember how cheerfully she waved to us as she encouraged us to come in. But I especially remember her effervescence and joyful enthusiasm as she welcomed us to her church. Lois Shreve Ruff, who is pictured here as a student at what is now Malone University, was the first of countless people we came to know, love, and cherish at Willoughby Hills Friends Church. We will always be grateful. That September morning, my parents joined Lois in the adult Sunday school class, and my brothers were escorted to the nursery and kindergarten classes. It was promotion Sunday that morning, and my sister and I joined the older children in the sanctuary. And that's when I learned that Lois was just one of many, many, many roughs <laughs> attending this church. Granted, Willoughby Hills Friends Church was much, much smaller than it is now, but it seemed to, be that, seemed to me that nearly every child who was promoted that morning was graced with the surname of Ruff. How many Ruff children did we eventually come to meet that day, you ask? Well, there was Debbie, Tim, Danny, Lois Ann, Tommy, Linda, Joyce, Beth, and Jimmy, siblings and cousins representing two rough families. The only one missing was John, who had already graduated from high school. But there was more. Much to my parents' delight, my dad met up with one of his former schoolmates from West Liberty, Ohio, which is on the other side of the state, in the adult Sunday school class. Although 15 years had since passed, my dad and his former classmate recognized each other immediately. And yes, she was a rough. Marlene Lockwood Ruff and her husband Bill, like, Joe, like excuse me, Lois and Jack, were soon to become fast and lasting friends with my parents. After church that day, Marlene and Bill invited us to their home for Sunday dinner. There I began a lifelong and treasured friendship with their daughter, Linda. As the Stuckey family drove away from the house that day after a time of fun and fellowship, we children voted that the search for a new church had ended. My parents wholeheartedly agreed. We had found our place at Willoughby Hills Friends. Willoughby Hills Friends Church means more to the Stuckey family than I can adequately express. Although we were not here for very long, 
It shaped the trajectory of our spiritual and vocational lives. I remember extraordinary Sunday school teachers, Mrs. King, Mrs. Burgess, and Mrs. Hargis. I remember the sweet Hind sisters who led Jet Cadets. In fact, I still have my Jet Cadets cap and sash. I was very proud of these badges. My sister had more. And she let me know it. Because of our good Bible-based training in Jet Cadets, my sister and I were very popular during Bible drills when we became members of Canton First Friends Church. It seemed that everyone wanted us on their team. Other dear folks from this church, Aunt Nancy and Aunt Gladys, who I've already mentioned, held a weekly Bible club at Taft Elementary School and a gathering for Willowick and Kennedy Junior High kids at the Dodderman home every Friday night, respectively. This was a wonderful place in which to grow up. In fact, I was such a geek even back then that I wrote a history of Ohio Yearly Meeting, now known as Evangelical Friends Church Eastern Region, as my research project for Mr. McMullen's eighth grade history class at Willowick Junior High. Terry Dodderman, who was in the same class with me, may or may not remember what he wrote for Mr. McMullen, but I assure you I do because I still have that paper, too, as tattered as it is. My daughter told me, if you all didn't think I was nerdy yet when you saw this, you knew it for sure. <laughs> Do you know of any other eighth grader who would be quite so enamored with a religious denomination? Perhaps not, but my intellectual curiosity reflected my deep and abiding love for this church community. So... I really didn't understand why one of the members of this church had to tell my dad about Malone College. I was pretty sure it was a rough, either Lois or Bill, maybe Jack or Marlene. My mother has confirmed this to be true. See, my dad had felt long felt called to teach at a Christian institution of higher learning. After teaching at Euclid High School for 12 years and working on his doctorate at Case Western Reserve University, he felt God's guiding presence as he began the search for a position at a Christian college. That's where the roughs come in. My dad had never heard of Malone College before we came here, but providentially, a position in history opened at Malone just as my dad was beginning his search in earnest. My father, as many of you know, was appointed as a professor of history at Malone and served the institution until he retired 30 years later. As you can imagine, I was not thrilled to leave my Willowick home and friends, but my father was also looking at an institution in New York, so I was happy to uh, live fairly close to Lake County and not in New York. I share my story as a way to express my thanks but also to remind you as a congregation of the lasting blessings you have bestowed on the lives of people who walk through these church doors. I was reminded yet again of my Willoughby Hills Friends Church heritage when Lois Ann Rafsuba, who I first met when she was an adorable five-year-old, she's still adorable, <laughs> and you know that, um, sent a note to me this last week and she wrote, we are so blessed with such a legacy don't you think? Yes, I do. And that brings me to my second story and the main reason so many visitors from Malone are here today. 
You may or may not be aware that Malone University was founded by members of this church. In fact, the school originated in a young people's Sunday school class that was conducted by J. Walter Malone and Emma Brown Malone. In other words, Malone University would not exist today had it not been for the faithfulness of this church and its members. So let me tell you a little bit about that. In the late 1870s, Walter Malone, an evangelical friend, moved from his southwestern Ohio home to Cleveland to join his brothers and serve as treasurer of the Malone Stone Company. Walter's mother, Marianne Malone, gently pestered her son to attend the small friends congregation that had recently moved from Cedar Avenue, had recently moved to Cedar Avenue in what is now East 31st Street in Cleveland. Walter balked for a little while, but Mama knew best. So in 1880, Walter finally decided to heed his mother's advice. During one of his initial visits, three members of that little friend's church spoke to Walter in quick su succession, telling him that the Lord had prompted them to speak to him about leading the Sunday school program. None of the three had any foreknowledge of each other's message from the Lord for Walter. Walter, a devout young man, knew better than to disregard the leadings of the Holy Spirit, and so he began to teach and lead at this church. Within a year or two, Emma Brown and her mother Margaret began attending Cleveland First Friends Church as well. Emma was soon attending Walter's Sunday school class, and he quickly took note of Emma's sweet spirit and deep well of wisdom. He asked her to join him as co-teacher of his Sunday school class. The class exploded in size and had to meet in the church sanctuary to accommodate the 500 members. It was a huge class. In fact, when the sanctuary was being remodeled, there was no place else in the church to accommodate the group, so they had to meet in a local roller skating rink. In time, love blossomed, and Emma and Walter were wed in January 1886. Within a year, their first child, a son, was born, and then another son, and then two daughters. Eventually, there would be six Malone children. In the midst of the busyness of tending to, of tending to a growing family and the responsibilities of the Stone Company, Emma and Walter became increasingly concerned about their Sunday school students. Many of these young people wanted to go into Christian ministry but either couldn't afford to attend or didn't wish to enroll in a four-year college. So after a season of prayer, as they used to say, Walter and Emma made the decision to open a one-year Christian training school on March 17, 1892, 125 years ago this coming Friday. From the beginning, this church was involved in the Malone School. Now, Walter and Emma first rented a house on what is now Carnegie Avenue, as Dr. King mentioned. Nellie Waterbury, who wrote a history of your church in the 1930s, noted that members of the youth group volunteered to paint and spruce up many of the, the, uh, the rooms in the building, and then some even became among the first students at what was then known as the Christian Workers Training School for Bible Study and Practical Methods of Work. I'm so glad our name isn't quite that long anymore. <laughs> the building was so small 
that Walter and Emma prayed that no more than six would enroll. Exactly six students signed up for the classes on that first day in 1892. Although the school remained fairly small, it attracted students from Ohio and throughout the United States. You see, at the time, a number of Friends churches were transitioning from unprogrammed silent meetings without any pastors to pastoral meetings, such as what your church has. Until the late 1800s, there were no paid Friends pastors. Hence, there was no need for a Friends seminary. So the Malone School helped ease the demand for trained Friends pastors across the country. Graduates of the Malone's training school went on to become pastors, as well as evangelists, worship leaders, Sunday school teachers, Christian education administrators, professors, college presidents, and missionaries. And those missionaries went to all parts of the world, including Malone alumni who attended your church. In fact, because of the missionary service of four graduates of the Malone's Training School, each of whom had also attended this church, the largest concentration of Friends, or Quakers as we are sometimes called, in the world is currently in East Africa, not the United States or Europe. <clears throat> to accommodate the growing number of students, the Malone's rented several houses. However, this was becoming untenable. So Walter approached Cleveland Friends Church around 1896 and asked if the school could construct a building on the church property. The church agreed, and the school closed for about a year until the new building was ready. In this picture of your former church building, you'll notice the annex situated behind the sanctuary. It housed Cleveland Bible Institute, one of Malone's many names over the years. And still, the school continued to grow. By 1899, conducting the school on their own was becoming a bit much for Walter and Emma Malone. So Walter and Emma applied for a state charter and asked the trustees of this church if Cleveland Friends Church would officially partner with Emma and Walter as overseers of the Bible Institute, and the trustees agreed. Of course, it helped that Walter was chair of the trustees of this church. The partnership with this church and the Malone School was thus formalized. For several years thereafter, only members of this church and no other served as trustees of Cleveland Bible Institute. One could argue that Cleveland Bible Institute might have ceased to exist had it not been for your predecessors. Of course, that means there also would not have been a Malone University. Their decision to step out in faith and support Emma and Walter's ministry in Christian higher education was a courageous one and ensured that thousands of people would have access to a Christ-centered college education in the future. But the Malone University, Willoughby Hills Friends Church Partnership, also extended beyond the school. Walter and Emma Malone served as your pastors from 1908 to 1917. They were senior co-pastors of your church, and they also later served as interim pastors for another year. Obviously, Walter and Emma, as well as members of this church, believed in gender equality in Christian ministry. The extended Malone and Brown families were similarly committed to this church. Walter and Emma's parents, 
Siblings, cousins, and children served as trustees, ministers, clerks, delegates to monthly, quarterly, and yearly meetings, members of church committees, Sunday school teachers, choir members, and ushers at Cleveland First Friends Church. A busy family here. Their son-in-law, Byron Osborne, who would later oversee the move from Cleveland to Canton as Malone College's president in the 1950s, was not only a faculty member and administrator at Cleveland Bible Institute, but also pastor of Cleveland Friends Church Plant in an eastern suburb and an active member in this church, as was his entire family. Everett Cattell, who, with his wife Catherine, served in India for many years as a missionary, was your pastor in the 1930s, as well as a professor of the Bible Institute at the same time. In the 1960s and 70s, he too was president of Malone College. Scores of Willoughby Hills Friends Church members or their children or grandchildren have attended Malone, such as those pictured here, including one, Judith Ruff, on the far right, who became a favorite student of mine. Debbie Hargis, Tom Yurkovich, Bob Krause, and Jonathan Davis are just a few of the many alumni who have attended your church, even members of your pastoral team, Steve Steer and Jim, Jim Davis, are Malone grads as well. I think that's Jim. I hope that's Jim. David, David Williams in this, is that you, Jim? Okay. <laughs> David Williams in this slide is in this slide because he is a great-grandson of Walter and Emma Malone. His parents and older siblings attended here before the college moved to Canton, and I heard through the grapevine that his daughter now attends Willoughby Hills. Even if you or your loved ones never attended Cleveland Bible College, Malone College, or Malone University, your faithful prayers and support have mattered. The names and locations of the Malone School may have changed, but your support never wavered. Your support continued even when your church moved to East Cleveland in the 1930s and no longer shared a campus with our school. It remained steadfast when Malone College moved to Canton in 1957. It endured when your church moved to East Cleveland, from East Cleveland to Willoughby Hills in 1965. And since Malone College became Malone University in 2008, we have continued to benefit from your long-term investment in our school. Malone University not only represents one of the greatest legacies of Walter and Emma Malone, but is also one of the greatest legacies of Willoughby Hills Friends Church. Malone University has flourished over the last 125 years in large part because of this congregation. And for that, we are deeply grateful. And I'm speaking both for Malone University and for the Stuckey family. Every semester, I end each class with a blessing from the Book of Numbers. I find it very hard to say goodbye to my students because I invariably become very, very attached to them. They, on the other hand, are typically happy to leave my class and my class assignments and exams, but I become misty-eyed when they leave me. So I share a blessing with them that I often heard in this church, and it is my prayer for you. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. 
May God bless Willoughby Hills Friends Church abundantly, and may he fill your cup until it runneth over in the years, decades, and yes, centuries to come. Thank you.